sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit, liftoff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SWAT radio program. I am David Gray, along with my friend Doug McCary from His Light Ministries, and we are glad you are with us here on this Monday. Is it October 5th? I don't even remember what the day is. It is, is. It already October, October 5th. 5th. Welcome back, David Thanks. Gray. Glad nice, to have you back in nice the studio. Nice to be here. Taylor is out for a few days with us. Uh, he's got a new job and uh, just trying to get geared into that, but... Uh, we're always glad to have you in the studio. Always good to be here. Uh, and uh, a lot going on over the weekend. There I certainly mean, is. There's so much, and some things I don't even know if I really want to get into yet because I have, uh, usually I like to spend a pretty good amount of time researching a lot of stuff, but it's already out there in the news, and it, it, some of it's disheartening and some of it is discouraging, like everything else in 2020 so far but uh other opportunities to be a light if you're just tuning in swat stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth i'm doug mccary and uh like david said and uh, i'm happy to uh have you join us here on swat radio we uh try to put out really what we feel like is uh god's word in a practical way relevant and practical as it's applied to, um, you know, the study of his word, how that impacts us, and really even looking at news and things going on. And I realize there's a lot of different viewpoints to things, especially in this uh, heated and very contentious time we live in on a lot of different levels. But I'm glad you joined us. And you can weigh in if you want. Uh, You can call 844-777-777. 7928 during the first segment and fourth segment usually during the second and third we kind of get into a teaching time but first segment we usually talk about uh current events and uh a lot going on if you haven't noticed in the jacksonville area it's been raining and gonna get more rain Uh, there's a tropical system uh tropical storm delta uh, coming up through the uh, Caribbean, and uh, we're getting weather patterns that are just weird, aren't they, Dave? Are we on the second go-round of Tropical Storm names? Because uh, there must yeah. have been a D already. We were way down yeah, yeah, the alphabet, yeah. right? So yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we've are we batted around. We're, now we're on the Greek alphabet, yeah. so that's yeah. what we're doing. Okay. Uh, and it looks like everybody and their brother is getting COVID, not meaning to make light of it, but... Uh, you know, the president came down with it the other day, and uh, a lot of um, staff yeah. had it. And uh, Bobby, he, Bobby Bowden got it. Did you see oh, that? Oh, I did not see the that. FSU and he coaching certainly, legend Bobby Bowden. He's it, older. Yeah, too. he certainly falls into the to a high-risk category, although I know he's in great health and great shape for his age. But. Yeah, so we need to um, keep him lifted up, pray for our president, and uh, – the first lady and all the people who've been, been impacted by this uh, uh trump uh, president trump just tr- tweeted that um he's going to leave the hospital tonight and go back and um so uh, he's I, I i don't think he really slowed down a whole lot except for maybe saturday and yeah. sunday yeah uh, 
It's interesting the way they put out the news about it. It made me think a little bit about when Reagan was shot. Of course, completely different circumstances. But I don't know if you recall that, Doug, but I remember I was a freshman in college and lying on the couch in my room watching that all day. And initially, some of the reports were that, oh, he was fine. He was just grazed. It was more a precaution. And then you found out later that there were some pretty serious um, aspects to it. And he, he was hit. You know, by a ricocheted bullet. He was, and, well, he almost died. He almost died. He almost and, uh, right, drowned and I, in his own blood. And I suspect, and, and I think if you read between the lines with Trump, but not that it was that serious, he wasn't shot, but there were a couple of moments, it sounds like, um, maybe Friday, Friday night into Saturday morning, where his condition was a little more serious than than maybe um, was let on or appeared. But But overall, I think it sounds like he's recovered pretty well so yeah i think so well you know there was a you know jim dennison we we talk a lot about his his he does a like a daily brief uh things called the daily article and uh, al moeller does one too called the daily brief and by the way al moeller is going to be dr moeller is going to be our guest next week on a week from thursday this week we're going to have dr wayne grudem who's an author and a theologian, a seminary professor, really wrote, wrote a book called Politics in the Bible and wrote a book on systematic theology that is very, very well respected. And I, I just have a lot of respect for him. So I'm looking forward to him being on. But uh, Dr. Uh, or Jim Dennison uh, wrote uh, about, you know, kind of the division going on. And he was quoting a guy citing three factors that kind of help explain kind of the depth of our divisiveness. And I I don't know if you saw it, but he said one of them was the deepening individualism of our culture since the 1960s. Back in the 60s, we began going from a community-based culture to an individualistic culture, even though individual Freedom was always a part of our culture. I mean, in the 60s, we began to go away from that community-based culture. Um, You know, when we were facing the Great Depression and two world wars, we kind of came together as a community, and we rallied and and went against not only just the external threats of of other countries that had hostile intentions, but even uh, financial challenges uh, because of the Great Depression and stuff. And he said... The, you know, that that individualism that we live with now, people are very isolated. We don't have a lot of community things mm-hmm. like we used to. Mm-hmm. We have community online. <laughs> we have community on the Internet. But it, not, it doesn't really breed the same kind of um, community that we experienced. The other thing he said was the narrow casting effect of the Internet. You know, he said used to be there used to be Walter Cronkite used to have one or two news stations, and they would broadcast the news. They may have been biased in the way they did it, but we never knew, right? right. I mean, it was just right. they brought us the news, and they typically would do a broad range of opinions as they did it, but they tried to convey what was happening. Of course, they, were, they had their own opinions, but they tried to do that. Well, now we've gone from those kind of broadcasting to narrow casting, which is news filtered to reflect our own given interest. And by that, like, let's say a, a political conservative would listen to um, one action, one American news or Fox news 
or Newsmax, those particular channels, and somebody that would have a more progressive-leaning tilt would listen to maybe MSNBC or, um, or, or CNN. And, and, and so we tend to listen or only watch mm-hmm. those ideas that we agree with. Mm. And instead of just having one with a broad variety, I mean, what, what if there was MSNBC and Fox came together? Of course, some people say that's happening. I've heard people talk mm-hmm. about uh, Fox moving more toward a progressive view now in a lot of ways. Um, um, but then the third thing he talked about was the disinhibition, disinhibition effect, where now everybody gets a microphone. Everybody has an opinion. I mean, there's no credibility required to offer an opinion. You just have to be somewhere where they put a microphone in front of you, and all of a sudden you become an expert and authority on whatever's happening, and it just gets transmitted. I mean, think about that. Uh, Because of the Internet, people are blogging and they're putting stuff out. They can have no credibility at all. They can plagiarize everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and put it out there and so he says all three of these have really contributed to a lot of this divisiveness what do you think about that well first of all when you said you put a microphone in front of anybody of course i think of myself sitting right here um (laughs) that's true no but but well the first thing i thought of me too for that when you were talking about um the first point about loss of community and more individualism I, i think this idea that we're all Americans first mm-hmm. it is it has been diminished, right? We're, we're identified more by conservative or liberal or what we do for work or where we live in the country or this or that. And I think, I think the online stuff has really contributed to that. Well, um, yeah, yeah, he, well, listen, he said the best way to communicate anything is face to face, right? Sure. Absolutely. But three and a half million or billion people, billion, not million, three and a half billion people every day communicate really anonymously. Mm-hmm. Because I could, you could receive a text from me that wasn't even typed by me. Mm-hmm. It could be typed by somebody else. Right, right. I, I could be getting input from somebody else, and you don't even know who's typing. Right. So so that that's what jumps out at me is this, this lack of we're all Americans first. And then the other stuff kind of comes under that. We can disagree, but we're all Americans. And like you mentioned, whether it's war or the Depression or whatever it is, events like that really bring people together out of out of necessity. And it's too bad that we have to have crises like that in order to do that. But I think even when I was a kid and when you were a kid, our communities and our neighborhoods and our towns and the schools we went to and played ball for and things like that, there was much more of a a sense of community. And then second, you were just talking about it, this disinhibition factor, you know, the online stuff is vicious. Yeah. It's vicious. And, and if you go, I don't do it very often, but occasionally when I read a story on a news site online, I will read the comments just to see what people are saying. And sometimes it's, I mean, some of the stuff that people write is unbelievably vicious yeah and when you're anonymous i guess you can do that we're going to take our first break and we'll come back and continue our discussion and we'll get into hebrews as well glad you're with us call us at 844-777-7928 on swat radio 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now, I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to say when there's nothing to Welcome back, everyone, to SWAT Radio. David Gray along with Doug McCary on Monday, October 5th. And glad you're with us. We always want to say the date because we want you to know we're live here today and um, would welcome your phone calls if you have a question or a comment at 844-777-7928. You can also email a question or a comment to Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. And before we went to break, we were talking, uh, Doug, you had some stuff, uh, quotes by Jim Dennison. Was that right? About some of the things that have uh, contributed to, to what we're seeing, uh, the divisiveness and the viciousness and the... Yeah, and just he, the, he was just talking about, we, we, we basically mentioned a few things that... Uh, for the division one was the deepening individualism Two was the narrow casting effect of the internet in other words everything is perceived through a political or a opinionated lens Mm. and then third was the disinhibition disinhibition effect which uh, everybody gets a microphone the news media gives i mean they don't vet anybody they don't they just basically stick a microphone in front of anybody at the beach in town they don't they you know they put it there and so uh people can say whatever they feel mm. and we we're living at a time and this is really important especially as you go into the voting booth cuz in a couple of weeks you're going to go into a voting booth and you're going to cast a vote hopefully Today is your last day to register to vote. Yeah, that's a good reminder. As a believer, 
We can be salt in life. We live in a country that gives us the freedom to cast a vote. And no vote is a vote. A no vote is apathy vote. You're voting for apathy. So you have a responsibility as a good citizen. We are to be good citizens, and we can be salt and light. And one of the things that we are called to do as believers is to be salt and light in our culture. And so today is the last day to register to vote. If you're not registered, you need to go register. And you go into a voting booth or you get a ballot or however you want to cast your vote. Uh, you have a responsibility to vote in a way that would most bring glory to God. And I think that, you know, there, I, I heard an incredible message last night by a pastor in Texas. I'm going to try to get him on by the end of the month because he went back and looked at the life of Gideon and how Gideon, instead of pushing people toward God's word, instead tried to rule politically. And listen, the the thing is, we live in a culture where right now we're not voting for a person. We're voting for a platform. When you step into that viewpoint, I mean that booth, you have a person that represents a platform. You may not, and we have tended to vote by personality. Do we like them? Do we not like them? Do we don't like, there's no perfect candidates, but I think we, uh, we have a responsibility when we go in there to understand that when we cast a vote for a platform that kills babies, millions of babies, I mean, we talk, you know, you hear a lot of talk out in the news about, uh, people dying from COVID-19, you know, more babies are being aborted each day than are dying from COVID-19 each day. I can assure you that in this country. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a tragedy that has gone back over 40 years. And as believers, we need to be um we need to be vigilant and we need to be praying um that we don't vote I'm not voting for a platform that wants to allow the killing of babies in the womb. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even up to the day of birth, the, we, there's a platform that affirms and tries to give civil rights to something that God says is an abomination and is wrong. It is not within his creative design. I think that's important for us to keep in mind when we go into the voting booth, these are platform issues. And and so you may not like somebody in a particular office, whether it's locally, nationally. It doesn't matter whether it's local or national. Look at the platform that they're aligned with mm-hmm. and what they're saying they're going to be a part of. Standing up for these things or standing against these things. <clears throat> And there's so much disinformation out there, right? And in this political season, between the political ads and all of the back and forth, there's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of accusations. There's a lot of lying. Let's just call it what it is. And I think it's beholden upon us, especially as believers, to dig a little bit to find out and ask God for wisdom to understand the truth of what people are representing and to your point about the platforms doug what do they really say 
Um, and so that we can be informed when we go in to vote. Uh, that, you know, one of the things I've been praying about is just that I would have wisdom personally and that, that, and that the country would have wisdom in making informed decisions and that they'd be able to get the truth, that they'd be able to get real information in order to make that informed decision. Well, I think it's important. And like I said, I, I heard a message last night and <laughs> this guy preached from the book of Judges. Now, if you remember, what is the main theme of the book of Judges? Everybody did what? What was right in their own eyes? Yes. Do we live in a time like that? Does that sound familiar to mm-hmm. us? And he he basically looked at the life of Gideon post-defeating the enemies of the Lord, and instead of pushing people to the Word of God, what he did is he pushed people to a political system. He wanted his 70 sons. He had 70 sons. By the way, I didn't know this trivia question. Did you know that Gideon is the first guy in the Bible to have multiple wives? No. It's the first mention of multiple wives. I did not know that. Yeah. And so... Hopefully that will come up concub- at my next not, trivia not, night that not I'm Not concubines. At. I'm talking about yeah, wives. Yeah, real wives. Yeah. yeah. No, didn't and know so, And so, anyway, Abimelech was the son of Gideon. And it, he created all kind of problems. And last night I heard a message where... This guy talked about how instead of pointing people back to is to Israel's God and his word, he tried to set up a political system. Uh, politicians, he, he said, take over to maintain order because the fathers and priests aren't doing their job. Does that sound mm. familiar? Mm-hmm. Does that sound like something that we could be looking at even in our country? That, that Remember when... The church used to be the place that when there was a, a national emergency or there was some, they would call. Do you remember when Billy Graham used to be summoned up to the White House? Sure. And 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 he used to be up there. There used to be this, uh, you know, this idea that the church would provide spiritual leadership, which leads to moral leadership. Now, we live in a time right now where we have spiraled so far that the morals have gone out the window a lot. I mean, and it's impacting the church. Uh, Lori told me last week, and I, th- I may have mentioned this, that they were doing some human trafficking studies and 40% of Christian leaders and pastors are addicted to pornography. Mm. That's four out of every 10. That's, that's a, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And, but it doesn't relieve the people of the responsibility just because your leaders are making mistakes it gives understanding to why we make mistakes but it doesn't relieve us of the responsibility but here's what's interesting about abimelech abimelech wiped out 70 of gideon's children the ones that were supposed to be the political leaders he was you know ruling all over that area with them but you know what abimelech did it says he sacrificed them all on one stone, and he sacrificed them to Baal. Now, if you remember the story of Gideon back in Judges, what did God command Gideon to do? Well, the main part of the story, of course, that I remember is to, to go into battle with just a very small army. But you know what happened before that? He, he, was, he, he weeded them out. He was told to go knock down 
the statue mm-hmm. of Baal. You mm-hmm. remember that? Yes. He was told to do that. And it says that Abimelech sacrificed these 70 sons on one stone almost as an offering of apology to Baal. Mm-hmm. And the people, it said, he said, choose who you want. Do you want 70 people to rule you or do you only want me to rule you? And he wooed the people over by offering them perks and offering them things in return for their vote of confidence. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) And so I, I think it's really important as we go into election day and we go into this time of our country, we're going to see some very, very uh, shady things going on. We're going to see uh, a lot of divisiveness over the next few weeks and months. And as believers, we have to be people of faith in the one true living God. Mm-hmm. And we have to come back to the question to ourselves. It's not what about my brother does. It's what what am I doing with right. the one true living God? Am I putting him on display by living a life of faith? And, you know, Jim Dennison asked this, asked this question, uh, and, and when he talked about these things that are dividing us, and I thought it was very telling. He says, you know, first of all, as far as individualism, how do we counter it? Well, we counter it by finding unity in Jesus. You and I may have different political views, but in Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Right. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither... Uh, male or female, there's neither Republican or Democrat or progressive or liberal or conservative. We're one in Jesus. Mm. And he says we need to remember that. So when did worshiping Jesus draw us closer to someone with whom we disagree? We need to think about that. The other thing he says, we by grace we've been saved through faith. When's, when's the last time we prayed for somebody whose actions or opinions really angered us? Those are two good questions to ask ourselves. Yeah, yeah, great points. We're reading a, a book and another study I'm doing right now about the Apostle Paul, and it, it, it provides a great framework about his tra- travels through Galatia. And it provides a great framework for the letter to the Galatians. When you read that about people from all different classes and hierarchies of society, all of a sudden being able to be together in Christ. And, of course, that's where Paul writes. There's neither free nor slave, yeah. Greek nor Jew, and... So that really helped me to understand that. We're going to take a break for the news. Glad you're with us. Call us at 844-777-7928 here on SWAT Radio. Welcome back to SWAT Radio, everyone. Glad you're with us. David Gray and Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. Call us at 844-777-7928 if you have a comment or question on any of the things that we've been talking about up until now, and we're going to continue here in Hebrews in a moment. You can also send an email to Doug at SWATradio.com. And I want to thank you all for listening, whether you're here in Jacksonville on 91.7, in St. Augustine or in Folkestone, Georgia, listening, 
Uh, if you're in Meridian, Mississippi, uh, on the uh, it's the lighthouse in coastal Virginia, Meridian, Mississippi is WMER. WMER. MER for Meridian, man. Come on. <laughs> I should be able to remember you that, know that without the sheet here. Yeah. But uh, glad you're all with us, or if you're listening on the SWAT radio app. Hey, and I want to give it my sh- shout out to my nephew, Andrew McCary. Uh, Andrew got baptized over the weekend made a profession of faith and got baptized and uh i was proud of andrew i'm gonna send him a bible and so uh, andrew good job way to go i'm glad uh you made that public and um just continue to pray for you to always grow in your love for the lord that's my brother david's son and my mom and dad's grandson i know they were proud of him too and hey miss mary i know you were there watching and you listen every day so Thank you, is folks. Andrew in Meridian? Yes, okay. he is. He's a baseball player. Okay. He is yeah. a good little baseball player, too, man. He ain't little. He's big. He's <laughs> big as you are, man. He's only like 13, so wow. he's a big boy. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, we're in the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews, the whole book is a letter that was written to a faith community over and around uh, Rome in the 60 to 70 A.D. time frame more closely probably 65 to 70 AD about 35 to 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus and it's a group of people over there that made up a faith community that was three subgroups one group was all in they had been transformed they had made public professions of faith and it was real i mean their hearts were changed and they had left the jewish sacrificial system and they were all in with jesus being supreme to everything. He's their high priest. They no longer felt a need to bring sacrifices. They they were worshiping the one true living God through Jesus, and uh, they were all in. There was a second group, though, that intellectually had bought into Jesus, but they were not all in, and they were wavering and defecting, and um, and they were still part of the faith community, but somehow they believed maybe that they were vicariously in the family of faith through the people that were really all in. There's a lot of people like that in our country. There's a lot of people who think that if they agree that Jesus died on the cross, they agree that he's good. They agree with what he said that they're, they're in by hanging around people who are all in, but they never really yield their hearts to him and give them their heart to transform into one of a, a spiritual led person versus a carnal spirit i mean flesh-led person and so doesn't mean that if you're a true believer you won't make mistakes and you may not sometimes allow your flesh to mislead you but you don't have you know long extended unrepentant patterns of sin you you you, you, the spirit will not let you continue down that road with no growth and he he's going to bring you uh into perseverance that's you know, that's very clear from Scripture uh, that he's going to do that. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and he will grow you. You cannot be a professing believer for 30 years with no growth and be a all-in believer. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And so that's that second group. And there's a third group still trying to figure it out. Well, the writer writes this letter, and he gives them five warnings. And we've looked at four. The first one is in Chapter 2. 
uh, and he says, don't drift from the message. Don't neglect such a great salvation. In Hebrews 2, I think it's verse 1, he says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so he's saying, don't drift away from what you've heard, the message of Jesus being the only way to have a right relationship with God the Father. And so he moves into chapter 3, which in that one he gives a second warning, which he says, don't harden your heart. And he quotes from Psalm 95, where it's a commentary back on Exodus, where the children of Israel, even though they saw all God did, questioned his care and his leadership and questioned his even being there with them. And that's what the problem was. They didn't have faith. When when their eyes were on circumstances, they were not people of faith. Instead of saying, God, show us what to do. God, help us. They said, you don't care. Let us go back to Egypt. We just want to go back to the idols, to the pagan land. And that was an abomination to God. And he says, don't harden your heart. And then he gives the third warning in chapter 5 and 6. He says, don't waver, be all in. You know, he says, by now you should be teaching. You've heard this message so many times. But he says, you keep going back and forth. And he gives an example. I think it's in chapter 5 where he gives an example of a, a the, the rain falling, but a branch produces thorns and thistles. And he's saying, you know, that, that's not a true believing person. If, if the fruit of your life doesn't point to Jesus, you got to question if you're really his. doesn't matter if you've prayed a prayer, walked an aisle, been baptized, sprinkled, confirmed. Those things don't matter if there's no fruit in your life long term. Mm-hmm. And he says, so don't waver, be all in with Jesus. You can't love the world and love God with that same unconditional love. And then the fourth warning is in chapter 10 where he says, don't be an apostate. And he, he, he gives this example in there of, of chapter 10 of what, what an apostate is. He says that somebody who has a knowledge of the truth, but they keep on rejecting. They either reject overtly where they just say, I don't want to believe, or covertly where they pose and they say, oh, I am a believer, or they're like Judas. They hang with the Christians. They hang with the true believers. They walk with them, and you can't even tell them apart until the end of their life, Mm. and then they show their true colors. So those are four of the five warnings. The fifth one's in Chapter 12. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. But So the theme of the whole letter is that Jesus is supreme, and we're in chapter 11 now looking at faith. We we looked at um, last week on air the characteristic and demands of faith. We looked at the author of our faith, who is God. Faith is God revealed. It's not man earned or man created. And then we looked at the motor, and, and we looked at Abel as being an example of that because he brought to God the sacrifice God wanted. Then we saw the motivation for our faith in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 11 that we are to seek to know him, not just to know about him. And then we, and we, we looked at the life of Enoch, who it says walked with God. That conveys that intimacy of knowing him, not just knowing about him. And then we saw the demonstration of our faith in verse 7, where Noah was mentioned, and Noah put God on display to a pagan world by building this big boat when there wasn't a drop of rain falling, and God had said he's going to destroy the world. And so Noah walked with God, too, and it says that about him. 
And then we saw in verses 8 through 16, the journey of our faith, we were called, tested, God's power revealed, and then God's purpose lived out. In verse 16, we saw it says that God was not ashamed to be called their God. And today, Abraham, the God of Israel, is known as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, because Abraham was a man of faith. He was called out by God. He was tested, and then God's power was revealed through his life. And I dare say that if you follow the one true living God, that you will reveal that God to a pagan world around you. People will see that you are different than the world. If you, if you, if you look like the world, you act like the world, you got to really question, like Paul says, examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. So that's kind of where we are, Dave, and we're up now through verses 17 through 29. Today, I'm just going to have you read verse 17 through 22, and we're going to look at God revealing the security of our faith. And he goes through the rest of the patriarchs, and what he's doing is he's bringing them from Genesis through Deuteronomy here, and he's going to do it by the patriarchs and then Moses, and and he's trying to give them a picture of faith. So we reveal the author, the motivation, the demonstration, and then the process. And today we're looking at the security of our faith in the lives of, of Abraham Isaac as he, he offers Isaac as a sacrifice and Jacob and Joseph. So go ahead and read verses 17 through 22, and we're going to look at the security of our faith. Okay. This is the New King James Version. Uh, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. So, what we see here, and we got to go to break, is in this text, we see these patriarchs demonstrating that the one true living God is able. He is able. The security of our faith is not in the amount of our faith, but the object of our faith. And, and they reveal the one true living God can do anything. The one true living God keeps his promises. And when we come back, we're going to look at that specifically in the, the the life of Abraham and Isaac and him offering him in the first couple of verses there. And even in the bones of Joseph being taken out of Egypt, when he asked that to happen, even before they spent 400 years in captivity there. Mm. So he was looking forward. Abraham, when he offered Isaac, looking forward to God resurrecting him or figuring out God was going to do something. So they were all forward-looking, but they all believed God is able, and that's what we're going to look at when we come back. I can't help but think of, uh, when I think of that, see that verse about Joseph, of course, I go to the movie The Ten Commandments, and there's that great scene yeah. where they're carrying Joseph out during the Exodus. Yeah. So that, I always think of that. Yeah. Isn't that great? We're going to come back from break here in a moment for our last segment. Glad you're with us. David Gray and Doug McCary here on SWAT Radio. 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. to SWAT Radio, everyone. David Gray and Doug McCary here with you on a Monday afternoon in Jacksonville, Florida. I suppose it's Monday afternoon everywhere else as well. Uh, glad you're with us. We are in Hebrews chapter 11, and we just read and started to talk about verses 17 through 22 about God being the the object of the patriarch's faith and, and that their, their faith was in and the object of their faith, the supremacy of the object of their faith, which is God. And, you know, Doug, it's always, no matter how many times you read about the story of Isaac or of J- of Abraham being ready to sacrifice Isaac, it just, it never ceases to amaze me that he, you know, what or to think about what that must have been like. Not that I can even come close to imagining, but of course, then God the Father does the same thing and goes through with it. Isaac. Abraham didn't have to go through it, right? Yeah. Well, God did. Well, here, here, here's the thing that it, we we don't have time to read the passage in Genesis 22. I would encourage you, if you're listening, go back and and read that story in Genesis 22. But you got to remember that the promise was made to Abraham back in Genesis 12 mm. and Genesis 14 and 15. God reiterated that promise that through you. 
All the families of the world are going to be blessed. You're going to have descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so then he tells him, go take your son. He says, your only son. Well, that should raise a flag for people. Okay, well, wait a minute. I thought uh, Ishmael was a son too, but no, he was not a child of promise. He, God is saying, this is the child that I told you you would have through Sarah. Right. And he says, I want you to take this son and I want you to go to Mount Moriah. Go to the mountain, which I tell you. And and it says that Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took two of his servants, his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and he rose. Now, on the third day, it says he saw this place from far. And this is from Genesis. He said, and he told the young men to stay there, his two servants, to stay there. Why? Because he knew they would probably protest and say, what are you doing? But God told Abraham to do this, to test him. Not for God's sake, for Abraham's sake. He was demonstrating in Abraham's life that he was producing a faith in Abraham that would do something so bizarre that the world around him would question it. Mm. And so he told Abraham to go do it. And Abraham followed through. Even his own son said, dad, we, we have the wood, but we don't, we don't have the animal for the burnt offering. He said, God will provide. Now it gives us some insight over in Hebrews where he says over here that, that he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead for which he, figuratively speaking, he he did receive him back from the dead because God had told him to kill him. So I want you to think about that phrase for a second in your life if you're listening. He considered that God was able even to, and then put a blank there. What in your life is so bizarre that you think God can't handle it? Because there's nothing that would demand more faith than to think that you could slay your son and see him raised again. But God didn't let him slay him. As soon as he raised his hand, God stopped him and said, nope, don't. And what he said was, and when he, when he raised his hand, he said, God said this, he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes, and behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket. And he took and he got the ram and he offered the sacrifice. Abraham was a demonstration that the one true living God can do anything, anywhere, anytime. He believed that. He really believed it, and it impacted his actions. What about us? Mm. Do we really believe it? Well, then over back in Hebrews, he goes right from there in this, and he, he goes through the rest of the patriarchs. He said, after Isaac, he says, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. He blessed them that, that they would rule, that they would be out there and that God would use them. And then he says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph Back in Genesis, I think it's 49, Jacob, 
remember Jacob, Jacob thought Joseph was dead. And then when Joseph, he found out he was alive, he said, bring me your sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he was going to bless them. And, and when he put a blessing back then, listen, the blessing of a father is a huge thing. We don't, we don't treat it like a big thing anymore. For most people today, they don't treat the blessing of a father. Uh, Dad, if you're listening, and I know you listen, I want your blessing. I want you to pray a blessing over me because I know you love God. And every person should want the blessing of their father. They should want their father to, to intercede to the God of heaven and say, bless my child, bless him. Bless her. Bless them. It was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And Jacob crossed his hands. And Joseph goes, nope, Dad, this is wrong. You're blessing the the younger with the right hand and the younger, I mean, the older with the left hand. That's not the way it is, Father. And Jacob says, no, Joseph, I know what I'm doing. Now, if you remember, Jacob was the younger and he stole the blessing, God moved and allowed that to happen because God's unfolding plan, and God knew Esau's heart. His his heart was not bent toward God. It was bent toward himself. And God chose Jacob before Jacob had ever done anything, Mm -hmm. the Bible says. And so he chose Jacob, and then he chose Esau. Ephraim to bless over Manassas. But here's what's interesting, that Jacob said Manassas and Ephraim will be like my children. And they ended up having a part. They were half tribes, right, of Israel. They were were half tribes of Israel. And and Jacob blessed, not knowing what that Mm -hmm. was going to look like, but that only that God had called him to bless him that way. So the writer, but these people who were hearing this letter read, they would have known that. And so he's just engaging them from a historical sense. And by the way, let me just say something. You don't rewrite history because history's bad. Jacob had bad history. Jacob did bad things. But Jacob was a man who loved God. The Bible is full of people that were flawed, but they loved God. And so to all the people out there that are questioning our founding fathers, who may have also done some bad things. A lot of those men were devoted to God, George Washington being one of them. And, you know, you don't rewrite history and take people out of history because of flaws. God used those men in our history in this country, and he used Jacob even though they were flawed men. And so... He's telling them about them and their faith. And here's one thing I want to say. Joseph said, take my bones. When you leave this country, take my bones to the land promised to Abraham. And what happened is if you go to Joshua chapter 24, it says that when Joshua led the people in there, they buried the bones at Shechem Mm -hmm. in the promised land. They buried their bones there. And so Joseph's bones, but one of the things in Joshua 23 is it says not one of God's promises fail. The one true living God keeps his promises. That's the security of our faith. 
The one true living God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, and the one true living God keeps his promises. Are you following the one true living God? Because the one true living God gives us moral order. He's not a God of disorder. He's a God of moral order. He, he, an idol can't give you morality. An idol can't set a standard. The one true living God has set that, and he's called us to follow him. He can do anything. He keeps his promises. But do you really have faith in him? Are you trusting more in yourself? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Who am I following and who am I trusting? And I think that's really important questions for us because he's calling you and I to follow him. Mm. And you mentioned something that I thought was interesting about Abraham getting the promise all the way back in chapter 12. And the incident with Isaac happens in chapter 22. So a lot of time goes by. And Isaac, how old was Isaac when that happened? Probably 12 or 13, somewhere in there. Was he an early teenager? Oh, I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. So some time had gone by. And I think it points to the fact that God grows us. Obviously, Abraham was growing in his faith, walking with God, growing in his faith. You know, would Abraham have responded the same way if God had asked him to do that when Isaac was five? You know, and only that amount of time had gone by. So your point about who are we trusting and who are we following, that that happens as we walk with God. We change as he... It's sanctification, right? Yeah. So they all the more reason to uh, spend time with him and walk with him um, on a daily basis so that we can be ready for those kinds of callings that he has on our life and things that he brings into our life. Because if we're not walking with him, are we going to be able to make that decision? No, we have for to him, walk right? with him. Absolutely. We're glad you're with us today. That brings us to the end of our hour on SWAT Radio. Come on back tomorrow. I will be back here with Doug. And we're glad you're with us on SWAT Radio. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual